We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have a couple super chats I wanted to get to here uh, sure. from Ape Gambino. I think I'm saying that right. It could be, uh, yeah, well, no. If I'm not saying that right, let me know. But I had guys keep up the great work. I was wondering where we stand with Jeremiah Love. Are we still recruiting him as an athlete? Again, uh, thank you so much for the super chat, Ryan. Why don't you go ahead and take a shot at that one? Yeah, yeah, he's an interesting player because obviously the main position is running back, but he's a player that when you've talked to him, he he says, hey, I'll play wide receiver, I'll play corner, I'll play safety. He's a very multi-talented player. He also plays defensive back for his school. So, yes, Notre Dame is still recruiting him. I think that it's going to be a question of what do the numbers kind of shake out and how can they fit him into the class. But I do think they would like to have him in the class because this kid is a 6'1", 195-pound 10 600 meter type of athlete like this is a really talented athlete which i think notre dame wants to get in the class i think ultimately it's going to it's going to come down to what do the numbers shake out with with defensive backs for instance right like mm-hmm. if are they do they get the three safeties and two corners then is it a little bit of a limited on how many players that you can take as an athlete mold but i really do think that notre dame wants to have jeremiah love in this class if they can yeah it's just going to be – the numbers are tight. That's the – I mean, there's a, there's several kids that I know they'd love to have in this class, but it's about, okay, can we make it all work? And that's uh, – people say, oh, you just take as many as you can get. It's, it's not that simple. It's not that simple. It's you, – you still have 85 – only 85 kids you can have on scholarship, and it makes it a little bit challenging. Anthony K. Shea with a super chat. Thank you very, very, very much for that, Anthony. Hey, IB Nation. Thanks for the content, guys. My babe loves the pink IB hat. Looks good on her, on her, of course. On the course. I assume that's on the golf course. Go Irish. Ryan, you're um, you're a babe, your wife, you're uh the mother of your child. Don't tell her <laughs> I called her babe. Uh she has a pink IB uh hoodie as yes. well. So yep. uh that you always can find at the merch store. Link to that is below. That's you can't find this. This was specially made for me, but you can find this. Ryan and I were talking about gear beforehand. I've got to send him some more shirts 
So I'm going to send you some of the, one of the gap. I got Sean a gap closers. I didn't realize I'd sent you polos instead of t-shirts. So I got to get you some t-shirts here. That's, that's my bad boss. Isn't, uh, isn't stepping up and bringing his merch game well enough. That will get rectified tonight when the show is over. I can, I can assure you of that, buddy. I can assure you of that for sure. So let's get to some more questions here. We're going to uh, Jeff fluke. I, I love this one. If we can get your dream class, who is the recruiter of the year? And I would say we're going to, of the dream class we talked about before, the only player that's not really on the board anymore for that class is Cardinal Tate. Right. 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 And I, I don't know if I had Jaden Greathouse as part of that before. So, I mean, you just sub out Cardinal Tate for Jaden Greathouse. If that is the, if that's your dream class, who is the recruiter of the year? I know my answer, Ryan. I'll, I'll give mine first. If they yeah. get the dream class, because that that's Dante Moore, Jaden Lamar, excuse me, Jaden Greathouse, Rodney Gallagher, Ronan Hannafin, uh, uh, Charles Jag- Jag- Jagasaw, Monroe Freeling, Sullivan Absher, Sam Pendleton. I only had four offensive linemen, actually. It's the D-line class now, plus Jason Moore, Jaden Osbury, or Samuel Lampemba. And it includes getting Christian Gray and Micah Micah Bell at corner or similar type of players. It, it did not include Caleb Downs because that's not a dream. That's like a that I mean that's a huge upset. I tried to have the dream class be a realistic class. I mean all those guys are so realistic to some degree. I you know I'm still not sold on Caleb Downs being realistic, and I would love to love 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 to be wrong on that one. But if in that case, I, I think it's an easy recruiter of the year for me and with all due respect to al washington who would probably land the most highly ranked guys for me it's chancy stucky because that there's not a position in this class that needed a greater influx of depth impact talent and talent that can impact immediately than the receiving core and to me if you get that group of great house Gallagher and Ronan Hannafin to go with Braylon James, there's at least two guys that can of that group will step in and help right away. And you got four legit starting caliber receivers. If that's your foursome with with Tobias Merriweather as a five-man receiver rotation at any point in time in the future, you're throwing on everybody, in my opinion. <laughs> and it yep. was so needed. So when I go recruit the year, it's not just, okay, who brought in the highest-ranked guys? That will probably be a battle between Heastan and Al Washington, Right. Because Monroe Freeling is a top 50 guy. Charles Jagasaw is top 50, right? Or you could go with Tommy Reese being, you know, Dante Moore kind of thing. But when I when I talk about impact talent, so that'd be three top 100 players and a fourth guy in Ronan Hannafin, who with all due respect, film and offer list is that of a top 100 player. At a position where you desperately needed that kind of class, to me, it's, it's Chancey Stuckey, in my opinion. You, you stole my answer because I, I think, again, people would immediately turn to Al Washington if they get Jason Moore and they'd be like, that's three top 50 caliber recruits in one class. But you have to think of it. If he does get Jason Moore, 40 percent of your class was already in the class when you got there. Right. So but, it's not like he signed. But you also you also believe he should get credit for keeping Keanu Keeley, which is very I do. true. I do, but I just yeah. think that there's a different perspective when you consider the fact that a guy like a Chancey yeah. Stuckey came with a blank board. Well, right? let me ask you this, to, Ryan. Let's just yep. assume that we give Al Golden credit for all five, okay? So let's just – not Al Golden, I'm sorry. Al Washington, credit for all five, okay? Because he kept him in the class, whatever. Just for the – let's use that as the argument. Does it change your answer? And that, that's that's kind of my my point of that. Does it change your answer? 
Yes, it okay. would change my answer. Yeah, okay. it would. It okay. would. Yeah, you give I, it I think, to Coach Washington. I give it to Coach Washington for the entirety. I, I, I just, again, I just think it's the fact that one came with a blank slate and one right. had two that was already a part of it, right? right. But I do want to send a shout out, and, and a couple people put it in the chat. Chad Bowden needs to be talked oh about. Oh my gosh, he yeah. needs to be talked about. Like we we need to say his name because yes. that's a guy because every recruit about, does. Exactly. Well, I was about to say well, you, you talk about guys that names keep coming up. Yeah. Chad Bowden's for everyone, every mm-hmm. position. There's only one person whose name gets mentioned more than Chad Bowden's, and that's Marcus Freeman. That is it. That is the end of the list. I mean, you know, Chancey Stuckey gets brought up a lot with, but offensive linemen, defensive linemen, DBs, receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. It doesn't matter who you talk to. They mentioned Coach Bowden, right? And, I mean, when it when you've got a guy like that that's able to be a part of the process, it is it is incredibly important. And you're absolutely right. He would To me, he'd get like GM of the year, right? Like that, that, that would be what the award I would give Chad Bowden. You know, like who's the GM of the year in college football? It's Chad Bowden, right? And, and there's no doubt. But when we talk about just coach of the year from a position coach's standpoint, that's where it would be. But, yeah, if, if, you're, if we're not talking enough about Chad Bowden, then that's on us because he is doing a phenomenal job with this class. Phen- and and that, that helps you so much as a coach because you know, like, man, I got I to gotta really focus my attention on, you know, this player over here. And so I can't maybe spend – I can do that knowing so like Harry Heastan, but I gotta really focus on closing on Monroe Freeling. But you you know, you can't also don't want to like put Charles Jagasaw on the back burner because he's an elite musket too. But you're okay saying for the next week I'm gonna really focus two weeks I'm gonna focus on this kid, do a little bit with this kid because I know Chad's hammering that kid, right? So we're not gonna fall behind. That is such a a, a great resource for coaches to have. And, and it was, that was the first hire that Marcus Freeman made. People, people may not remember this, but one of the things that was a big part of Marcus Freeman's sort of negotiation with Brian Kelly is out Chad Bowden's coming with me. Like that was part of that conversation. And so that was the first guy that he brought on. And then of course, last year's defensive class was elite. Chad Bowden was the defensive director of recruiting. Now he's the director of recruiting for the entire operation and he hasn't missed a beat. And so he's, you're, you're absolutely right. And the people in the chat are absolutely right. He has done a tremendous job, tremendous job with Notre Dame being a part of that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Fort Chinatis is in Notre Dame going after any other tight ends in the 23 class. Ryan, we briefly talked about Deuce Robinson. You did actually speak with Deuce somewhat recently, right? Just kind of yeah, a few weeks ago. Clear yeah. the air with that. Just kind of where they are with that. Yeah, I, I mean, so Deuce is very uh, – he's a really nice kid to start out with, right? And, you, you know, ask him a little bit, you know, what's his conversation with Notre Dame? And, you know, Notre Dame calls him. They keep in contact. But like Brian said, I mean, it was clear after I talked to Deuce, it's just like the damage – I don't want to say damage. The Well, no, we'll say damage. The damage mm-hmm. has already been done from just being absent in that recruitment. Like, it just is what it is. Deuce is receptive to them, but he doesn't have any plans to return. Like, I checked back in with him. Still no plans to take an official, get on campus anytime soon. So, it's just a pipe dream at this point. But I, I think Notre Dame would be okay going with just Flanagan in the class. It, But I think Deuce is the only other player that you could say is even on the board right now. But it's highly unlikely at this point. Right, right. It's a good question. John A1 says, if the 23 class finishes like we think hope, it does. I can't think of a better back-to-back classes in modern era. Which pair of Notre Dame classes is Notre Dame trying to best from the past? I think you'd have to go back to like the 89-90-91 stretch is, is really where you'd have to go. I mean, those those were some years where Notre Dame, Notre Dame was landing some straight dudes every year. I mean, it was, you know, we talked about this. Notre Dame's 1990 class. This is this is one of the most absurd, absurd things I've ever seen in my life. Their their 1990 class landed them two NFL Hall of Famers and a third guy who was a college football Hall of Famer. Is that the good? two NFL Hall of Famers were Bryant Young and Jerome Bettis, which is you know pretty decent. And then you also had Aaron Taylor in that class, who was a college football Hall of Famer. That doesn't include Tim Ruddy, who is a multi-year starter, second-round NFL draft pick. Jim Flanagan, fourth-round draft pick. I believe Oliver Gibson got drafted. Pete Bursich. Spent a lot of years in the NFL. Tom Carter was a first-round draft pick. Jeff Burris was a first-round draft pick. Like, you know, when when you can't even get in the top three and you were a a first-round – like, Tim Ruddy, a second-round NFL draft pick and a very, very important player for Notre Dame, is not one of the five best guys in that class. I mean, think about that. Lake Dawson was drafted in the NFL. He's not one of the seven or eight best players in that class. So, like, the fourth or fifth-round draft pick in the NFL – and you're not one of the five or six best guys in that class. Six or seven best guys in that class. It was just an insane, insane recruiting class. So, honestly, we'd have to go back to that era. I mean, you know, when, when you look at Lou's top ten that, that he had, we talked about before, I mean, th- there were two – there was three classes kind of from that region. Lou in his top ten had 86 and 87, both in his top ten. He did not have 89 or 91 in there. But the 89 – the 80, 90 class was so good. That here, I actually have it on my phone, right? I'm gonna pull up. Actually, do I not have my phone down here? Yep, it's upstairs with my wife. That's how it always happens, right? The one time I need it during the show, I don't have my phone with me. But I have a list to the to the roster so I can kind of go through and get the freshman classes. But the 89 and 91 classes also brought in some big time players because you know, like Bobby Taylor and guys like that that were part of those classes were in there too. But 86 and 87, Lou has both his top 10 classes. 
the 86 class got Tony Rice. It had Anthony Johnson, Braxton Banks, Tim Grunhard, Dean Brown, Jeff Alm, Michael Stonebreaker, Pat Terrell, Pat Terrell, Stance Magala. The 87 class had, did I say uh, Tony Rice? Did I say that in the 86 class? Tony yes. Rice was in the 86 class. Yep. The 87 class had Tony Brooks and Ricky Waters. You had Frank Jacobs, a tight end. Now, if you ask any of the guys that that were played tight end, they'll tell you Frank Jacobs was a freak. He, I think he had got hurt or something. Some of the older folks, older fans will be able to tell you that. You had Chris Zorich, Mike Helt, Tim Ryan, George Williams, Bob Dahl, Andre Jones, Scott Kolkowski, dude named Todd Light. It's pretty decent, right? Like, you know, but but it you'd have but the point is to your question, John, you'd have to go back to the 89 to 91 era or 86, 87 to find a class that was as good. And and we and, and not in that list is the 88 class that had Rocket and Derek Brown, you know what I mean? And some of those guys. So uh really, really that's that's where you're trying to get back to. You're you're trying to get back to that era. Kenny Moore, Ryan. Actually, John A. One had before we get to Kenny's because that was a good question. John A. One had another one that I that that kind of goes to the coach of the year aspect, and this is a good one. He says if Notre Dame landed Caleb Downs, because again we did not have Caleb Downs as part of that dream class scenario. But if Caleb Downs signs with Notre Dame, would Chris O'Leary then be the recruiter of the year? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, in, in my opinion, he pulled off I the mean- biggest upset of all of them. I mean, biggest upset, and that goes on top of having Peyton Bowen in the class already who's a top 50 caliber player and having a Don Schuler who everyone underrates but is a top 150 type of player. By the way, Don Schuler got player. offered by Georgia today. So he's pretty good. He's pretty good He's player. been offered yeah. by Georgia and Alabama since he committed to Notre Dame. It's pretty decent, right? Yeah. That's your third guy. I don't know if I could – I mean, I have to think about that one more, John, because, again, I look at the need factor too. But if we're just talking who got the best players – I mean, you're talking about two, 50, two top 50 guys, including one five-star to a position where you only need two starters. That's what that's what we're talking about uh, Al Washington doing with a position that has four starters, right? So, yeah, he'd be in that conversation. He'd be – he'd no question be in that conversation. And I, do, I would call safety a need. So I think that adds into it as well. It is a big need. I mean, all, all the positions are need. But it's the degree of it, and safety was near the top of the board this year. Safety and receiver and corner were those three spots, and I'd even say safety more than corner because, you know, Mike Mickens has had two pretty darn good corner classes in a row. It's not like Notre Dame lacks for talent at corner. They just need the next level of talent. Safety, there's a need at safety. Like, you had a legitimate need. Like, you're going to be running out of dudes here real quickly. You just lost Kyle Hamilton in the next two years. You're probably, you're, you know, maybe in the next year, you're not going to have Brandon Joseph, DJ Brown, or Houston Griffith. And, you know, now you're, now you're really getting thin. So, yeah, I, John, I think that's a great question. If they get Caleb Downs, assuming that Chris, we, you know, that Chris O'Leary was the main driver of that, then, yeah, I mean, he's in that conversation because that's far, part of it, too. It's not just about who, what position it, it could be a situation where, you know, maybe it was Marcus Freeman and Al Golden that were the drivers or something. You know, we just have to, you know, do some more homework. We don't really know because Caleb doesn't talk to anybody. But yeah, that that would be that would be uh that'd be an interesting one, John. That's a great, great question. I love that one. Kenny Moore, speaking of that, Kenny Moore says corner recruiting is a major concern at the moment. For the 2023 class, Kenny, I, I it'd be hard for me to say that um, you're wrong. Uh, you know, here's the thing though, Ryan, two things I like. Number one, there's some really talented players on the board. And number two, this staff is not sitting back and, and hoping that they get guys. 
they have thrown out another offer today of a kid that you really like. And he, he they 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 threw another corner offer out the other day. But this is a kid I know that you like a lot, the kid that they offered today, uh, Josiah uh, – what's his last um, – Wagner. Josiah Wagner from Washington. Top yeah. 150 kid. I know you had a chance to watch this film, Ryan. I have not. What would you think of Josiah? Yeah, Josiah I, – I was really pleasantly surprised by Josiah, to be honest. I thought – and maybe it's kind of the Washington ties. He play, he's obviously from the state of Washington. He reminded me a lot of Byron Murphy, though, that played at the University of Washington, is now with the Arizona Cardinals. He was a second-round draft pick. Really, not the longest guy of all time, but really from an off-man zone perspective, just really intelligent, really good click and close. I think he could play a little bit inside and out. So I liked I liked his film a lot, to be honest with you. So it's it, But, Kenny, to your point, it is definitely a concern. I mean, I know we've been speaking rainbows, you know, throughout this podcast as far as how how yeah. well this staff is doing. But, I mean, cornerback recruiting is a big question mm-hmm. mark in 2023. You lost Justin Rett. You don't have anybody on the board right now that's committed. You have guys that are talented like Micah Bell, Micah Tease, Christian Gray. Like, they're talented players, but none of them are in the class right now, right? right. Like, it's it's – and I don't know – is Notre Dame the lead? I, I think that they are in the running for a couple of those guys as far as being near the top, but are they're they the, a clear leader for anyone? Yeah, I would they're say in the no. top three for all of them. Sure. The only one that I would go out on a limb and say that they're the leader for is Micah Bell. I know you like where they stand with Micah Tease. I have some doubts. Neither of us think that they're the leader for Christian Gray. So to your point, yeah, you've you've got to close on some of those guys, but you also got to – you just can't sit back and hope you land those guys, and that's what I like about the offer today. Here's an interesting note about Josiah Wagner as well. He has an offer from Yale. So he's going to fit that profile, right? And it's amazing all these 4.0 students that are all of a sudden interested in Notre Dame. Like it just just so happened this year. Like Tyler Williams is a 4.0 student. Did you see the letter he put in the local paper to his mom? Go look at his Twitter page and read that. Like he's the kid that Marcus Freeman said – there's other kids that are Notre Dame kids. They just don't know it yet. We got to convince them of it. They need to get him on campus. Cause I'll say this. If Ty, if Tyler Williams visits Notre Dame, here's my bold prediction. If he visits Notre Dame for an official visit, he will sign with Notre Dame. That's my bold prediction. Cause he is the most, him and Braylon James are almost the same kid from a profile standpoint, 4.0 student from a public school in Florida, right? Very intelligent. You know, like I said, wrote a letter to his mom for Mother's Day that was published in the local paper. You don't have to to read it. Uh, Very, very impressive young man. He just – he was one of those Florida kids that doesn't realize that Notre Dame is the place for him yet, and he may never. But if they get him on campus, I think that's my bold prediction they're going to sign him. But I just – right now, I don't – that's a less bold prediction than me predicting he's going to visit campus. Like that would be going out on more of a limb than, than saying they'll get him if he does visit. But, uh, you know, that to me, <sighs> corners, it, yeah, corners going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But I, I do like the fact that they're putting in the work. And Micah Bell getting on campus this summer is going to be the big one. They just need somebody to kind of get that ball rolling. That's going to be the key. Jeff Fluke says, with the front seven that we have, plus the safeties, do we need top-of-line corners or could we go mid-tier until we put some in the league? I don't think you should ever settle for that. Because if you go mid-tier, I think that's a regression from what you've done the last two years. I don't think the 2000 – like the 2021 class more so than 2022 because there's some projects in that class. But I love Ryan Barnes. But last year's corner class with Benjamin Morrison and Jade Mickey, that's not mid-tier. So, no, I, I don't expect them to go mid-tier. 
you just need to get the guys you have. If they get, let's just say they get Micah Bell and Josiah Wagner, right? Ryan, you've seen Josiah Wagner. I have. So I'm going to ask you this. Is that mid tier or is that a, I mean, it's, it's not going to be on the level of other positions, but is that, is would you call that mid tier? Would you say that's a pretty good, he's a top 150 football player. Micah Bell is a top 150 football player. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely not mid tier, and and I man, if that's the class they get, I I'd be completely okay with it because I I kind of view them very differently. I I think Josiah is kind of a more ready made type of player, can maybe play year one a little bit. Maybe the upside isn't quite as high as a Micah Bell, but yeah, I I, I it's definitely not mid tier. You just like you just met, you answered your question because it's two top one fifty kids, and right. they're one fifty caliber. Like it's not just that they're a little overrated. Like they're good football right. players, and Micah Bell is a incredibly talented athlete, so his right. upside is high. Tyler asks, one to ten confidence level for the number one class in 2023. I'm at an eight. Staff is crushing it. Where are you at on that one, Ryan? I'm about the same as Tyler. I'd say I'm an eight. I'm very I have now passed the cautiously optimistic to now I think it's a very tangible thing at this point. So I think I'd say an eight as well. Not quite there there, but I am I'm I'm feeling good. I'm, feeling I'm at a good. seven. I'm going to seven because uh, number one, I I need to see one more elite player commit first Uh, because they're not going to be a top number one class with one five-star. And, you know, I I need to see Dante, you know, join the class. I need to see a Caleb Downs. I need to see a, you know, that, and then I need to see a couple other top 50 guys join first. Like I, I think they're on their way. But it's kind of like how I felt when I gave my confidence levels for recruits the other day, right? Like, no, Charles Jagasaw, I gave a seven. I think they lead. I think they're the team to beat. I feel confident in it. But, you know, there's still enough questions out there that I'm not ready to go full eight, nine yet. And that's how I feel about this class. They're on their way. I I think this class has a chance. It's not one of those deals where they have to bat a thousand across the board. They don't. There's a couple positions, though, they have to bat a thousand. Right. Like they have to get Dante more. They have to get Jason more. You know, they they have they have to get one of those linebackers that we talked about. Right. They, and, and then receiver to me is if you give me. If you give me of Dante Moore, Jaden Greathouse, Rodney Gallagher. Monroe Freeling, Charles Jagasaw, Jason Moore, Jaden Osbury, Darren Gallette, Sam and Pemba and Caleb Downs. Those 10 players, those are big time players. That's the group that's going to determine if Notre Dame's going to be a top the top class or not. Hitting the hot, the hot, the more of those guys you get, the better chance you have in the number one class. They got to get at least two or three of those guys, or I'd say four or five of those guys for me to really up my confidence level. And so when there's that many guys still on the board, I just I'm not quite there yet, but I'm certainly close. Now I'll say this: I have never been an eight. So this isn't my confidence level going down. We've never been asked this question. My confidence level at seven is as high as it's ever been. So I don't want people to think like it's down from, I used to be a nine and now I'm down. So I don't want people read into that. Driscoll said it's a seven. He must not think they're going to get Dante Moore or somebody else, right? That's not, it's always been a seven until right. more. I mean, as now getting Devin Houston adds only, you know, more confidence to that seven, but I just need to see a couple more of those. Like Sullivan Absher is a great pickup, but that doesn't move the needle for me to number one class because, again, we're talking about recruiting rankings, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I just need to see a few more of those guys before I'm ready to, to go there, Ryan. That's fair. I just lo- I just love that we can have the conversation. I remember when we first mm-hmm. did the show on if it's a realistic thing, it was just kind of like 
seems like a little bit of a pipe dream, you know, like it's yeah. hopeful, but it seems a lot more tangible now. It seems possible, which is well, some awesome. of the things that have helped too is, you know, when you first had that conversation, I was like, well, I don't know if Keon Keeley's going to necessarily stick, you know, he's taking visits and all that kind of stuff, you know, can, can they get any top receivers? Well, they've already taken steps to those things. Right. I mean, they've already gotten Bubakar and they've already gotten Braylon James and Keon is locked into the class. And so, you know, they've weathered the storm on Peyton Bowen, those kind of things. Cause at the time, Ryan, we're not only talking about Notre Dame needing to get guys, but they got to keep the guys they have. And I think there's more confidence that they're going to do that now. That would That's probably where my confidence level has raised the most is that I think they're going to keep the guys that they have more so than I thought before. Bobby Halfacre says, hey, Brian, I know we need another quarterback, but uh, full faith in Tyler Buckner, where do you think we stand with at least another top-notch receiver? Ryan, You, we kind of talked about that earlier, but just kind of where would you rank your confidence level of the three – receivers that we discussed earlier so let's go Jaden greathouse rodney gallagher ronan hannafin how would you rank your confidence level first to third high number one being most confident third being least confident of those three players at this point in time yeah right right now i'd say Jaden greathouse is my most confident level um after that it's kind of splitting hairs with rodney gallagher and ronan hannafin which sounds silly now again kind of based upon what we've been in the past but I really think that they made Notre Dame made a huge impact on Rodney Gallagher in their last visit. I think getting him back on campus and for that June 10th weekend is going to be a huge, huge opportunity to, I think, really vault yourself, not, not from the favorite, but like put some distance between you. Like, I think that's the opportunity there. So I think that they are the slim leader for Rodney Gallagher right now, but you need to close. I, I don't think that this is a foregone conclusion. And then Ronan Hannafin's just a weird one, man. Like I, I still maybe would say that they're the leader for Ronan Hannafin, but the attention has just picked up so much that I am just not as confident as I was before. I think he could still very much end up in Notre Dame's class, but I think it's going to be a dogfight for him in this class. So I probably go Great House, Gallagher, Hannafin right now, mm-hmm. which is weird to think about. Yeah, two months ago it would have been Hannafin, Great House. Gallagher for me. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Benjamin Karchi, what is a conversation like with a kid that is committed already? Is it a hey, how are you? We need your help with something. Keep up the great work. That's part of it, but that's a small part of it. It's really just about you think about any relationship that you're trying to build, whether it be with a friend or uh someone you work with, you're trying to start. I mean, it, beyond just a coworker, hey, how are you? But someone you're really trying to establish a real genuine relationship with, right? It's, it's getting to know more about the person. It's, you know, finding out who they are, what makes them tick. It's, it's, if you really want to keep a guy, it's, it's that, Hey man, you know, Hey, how was that finals test you had on Thursday? Right? Like, Oh man, that's great. Congratulations. So what's next on the plate for you? And not just doing it to, to pass time, but doing it because you genuinely care, man, coach, I'm really struggling with this class. He goes, okay, well, have you talked to, you know, have you talked to your teacher? You talked to professor and just really becoming like that, that big brother, father figure, whatever the kid needs kind of thing, but it's got to be genuine. It's that kind of stuff. And then, of course, going over particulars. Hey, how are you on your, you know, signing up for your courses next month? Because, you know, you got to make sure you're doing this, 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 and this to make sure you're on pace to graduate and clear through admissions, you know, making sure kids are keeping their their GPAs up, make sure kids are passing the classes they need to pass, make sure kids are putting in the workouts, you know, scheduling visits. I mean, there's a lot of that stuff, too. But it's that's all part of that building that relationship. So it, it goes much deeper than that. And, of course, you'll ask, hey, you know, give so-and-so a call and all that. But. It's really just about establish that relationship. So when that kid hits, gets to your campus, you've already connect. There's already that trust. 
You don't then got to work on building your trust with him on the practice field. That's there. Now it's about let's get this kid ready to go. And and I think that's what the good coaches do is it's building that genuine, deep relationship where you truly know them, you know the family. There's a trust there on both sides because it's not just about that kid learning to trust you. You got to learn to trust him as well. And I think that's a big part of it. John A. wants us, how many position groups can Notre Dame haul in as arguably the best in 2023? So we're talking about the best position groups in the country. Uh, Ryan, that's an interesting one. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to give my answer based on how I view kids, how I rank kids, not what other kids are ranked. So for me, the positions are, and we'll just, I'll kind of list mine. You tell me if you agree or disagree, and then you can give us that I'll mention. I'd say quarterback is one because I believe that Dante Moore is the best quarterback in the country. So if you land the best quarterback in the country, in me, in my opinion, you have the best quarterback situation. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Wide receiver, I think they have a shot to do that. I, I'm not as confident there because none of those guys are guaranteed to be top 50 guys. They're all They could all be top 100 guys, but none of them are right now top 50 guys. And I think you need a top 50 guy or two to really be number one, but they have a shot there at least. O-line, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. D-line, mm-hmm. safety, mm-hmm. and linebacker. You're going to be hard-pressed to have a better linebacking core than Notre Dame if they get Osbury and or Pemba in Pemba with Drake Bowen. You're going to be hard-pressed to beat that. You're talking about two yeah. top 50 kids, plus Preston Zinter, who's a four-star kid. Assuming guys don't get – Drop, but again, I'm looking at it from how I view kids. And Preston's enter is a top 250 kid for me. So sure. to me, that's six position groups. Would you argue that anyone else should be on there? Not running back, not yeah. tight end, not corners, yeah. and yeah, that's it, right? So who do we leave? We left running backs out, we left tight ends out, and we left that's, corners that's, out, right? That's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So six yeah, to no. have a shot at. Thoughts? Yeah. No. I mean, I, I mean. If if the safety position is able to get Caleb Downs in, in this reality, right? Like that's number one. <laughs> that's gonna be the top safety group. I think that you still have an argument, even if you don't, because again, you have a top 50 kid and you have a kid that in a Don Schuler is a top 125, 150 type of player. So it's still a really good class. But I think the the number one class that you just I mean has every argument is defensive line, especially if you get Jason Moore. Like you have a legitimate argument there. Do you get a Jaden Osbury? or a Samuel and Pemba, or both at the linebacker spot, then you have another argument for linebacker as well. And then I think offensive line is the other one that if you sign everybody that we've talked about, especially where, I mean, Charles Jagasaw is viewed as a top 10 player by who is it on three, right? So he's he's very highly thought Seventh, about. I think, last Seventh, I saw. Yeah. And then Monroe yeah. Freeling is in the 30s for them. Right. And so, they have Absher 99. So yeah, so, so you're talking three three top hundred players, two guys top fit top forty players, one in a top ten player. So if you sign that class, then you got an opportunity too. Quarterback's an interesting one. It's a really interesting one because I, I think that's just at that point it's it's subjective, right? Because right. it's not going to be about depth of quarterback. It's going to be who you just value the most. Right. But who I would do you say is the best guy and the and exactly. the best fit and the best exactly. Fit. Exactly. So it'll either be it'll be either be USC with Malachi. Some will think it's them. Some will think it's Arch, wherever he goes, which right now people thinking it's Texas because Alabama is now making a push for the Eli Holstein kid because 
know, people realize that they're not going to get Arch, then it's does he go to Georgia or Texas, right? That's the question of the Arch. Or it's going to be Tennessee with Nico. Now, to me, Nico is in a whole different category than those three kids. I, I, I've said this before. He's not in. The, I would, I would, I would rather hear an, a, an argument for Jaden Rashada than I would wait for hear for one from Nico in regards to you know top who should be ranked next in the quarterback class. And the kid from Louisiana Holstein that's going that was committed to AM is now looking to go to Bama. He's in that conversation too. I would take him personally over Nico, but it's just about who you think is the best. And so. It, wherever Arch goes is where who, who people are going to say is number one because that's who everybody has as the number one quarterback in the class. SI All American, I'm pretty sure won't because I'll be part of that process and he's not my, my number one guy. But you know, others will say it's Malachi. For me, I've said this from day one: Dante Moore is the best quarterback in this class, in my opinion. As of right now, he's the best quarterback in this class. So that would be one. Any others that you say? Yeah, I think receiver it'd be the one I would have the least confidence in because again. Yeah. It's hard to have the best class and you don't have anybody in the top 50 in your class. Now, again, that's a great receiving class. I'm thrilled with it. I think some of those guys are a tad underrated, you know, but again, there's also a ton of receivers in the country. Sure. And so, you know, there's there, there's going to be people that have a shot to be better than that. You know, some people may have a couple top 50 guys, but who's going to have four top 100 guys? I mean, it's like, you know, how do you evaluate it? But that's the one I'm least confident in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Ryan. Safety's only if they get Caleb Downs. I mean, so right, right. I don't have a lot of confidence in that because I don't think they're going to get Caleb Downs. Now, even if they don't get Caleb Downs, I have a hard time seeing more than five or six teams have a better safety tandem than the one that they have right now. Right? I mean, <laughs> that's the other piece to it. Right. And then, you know, offensive line, you talked about defensive line. I, if they get Jason Moore, I don't see how anybody surpasses them. Unless, like, all the top 50 kids go to one school. That's about the only way, I, I you know, I could see it. Right. So um, that, that's that's my answer. Re- really, really good question, John. I, re- I really dig that one. Irish Nick, does it concern you guys that Rodney Gallagher has uh, more official visits scheduled after the Irish on June 10th? I like it when we're last. I like it when it's last too, but it's not it's not a thing that is really a concern unless the kid is like 50 50. Right. You know, and, and and I and I think by the time like Rodney Gallagher gets there, I, the other thing, too, is I don't think the school that has the best shot to beat Notre Dame as of today is after them. I don't believe because I believe that West Virginia is before, correct? Or am I wrong on that? Let me go look at that. I think they're before. I I could be wrong on that. Let me just, let me just go make sure. Well, I'll say he's going to West Virginia, June 3rd to 5th. And I'll, and I'll say right now, and I've said this for a while, I've never felt like Penn state was the threat that people made them out to be West Virginia and Pitt are the two teams that I have been most concerned about. Mm-hmm. And Pitts, he's not making an official to Pitt right now. Yeah. And they went through a, a coaching staff change at receiver. West Virginia, they're like 25 minutes from his house. I mean, they're they're like really close. That's his backyard school. It's West Virginia, not Pitt. And so I'm actually a little bit more concerned about them than I am Penn State. That's just – I could be wrong on that, but that's my read on the situation. So I, got I, I don't view Oklahoma State as a concern. Like that's not wow. I don't see that one happening. If he was gonna still play basketball, yeah, I'd be nervous about that one. But he's sure. a football player. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't buy into the Penn State thing as much as people talk about either. I mean he had he had a, a visit right after the Notre Dame visit this past, you know, this past spring as well to Penn State. And after talking to him about the Penn State visit, I don't think that, that one moved the needle at all. So I mean it could be something where he just has a, a recurring relationship where like maybe it shouldn't move the needle quite as much because it's not his first time seeing it, but I, I'm just not buying it. I 
again, like Brian said, I am on the same wavelength in the sense that I also like when they have the last visit because that's the last pitch, right? Like you're the mm-hmm. final person to put your put your chips in the in the middle of the pot. But I really do think that I don't think it's going to be determined by who pay, who is going to go last with Rodney Gallagher. I think that Rodney. I think he's a thoughtful kid. I think he's going to make a good decision. I don't think it's going to be impulsive. I think he's going to take some time afterwards right. to make a good decision for himself. Agreed. I think if he was going to be that kind of emotional kid, I think he would have made a decision already. I think he would have fallen in love with one of the schools during an unofficial and would have popped. So I, I agree right. with you. Tom Malork said, I, let me say this. I think that's where him being a basketball recruit helps. Do you ever notice basketball players rarely make early decisions like that when they're top kids? So I, I wonder how much that helps him as well. But that's a good question, Nick. I, I like that. Tom Lork says, Coach D, what would you say would be the number one thing Tobias should work on before he reports? Route running, reading coverages, working versus press, or something else? Thanks. Tommy B. Tommy, I'd say weight room. I mean, honestly, Tobias is a pretty advanced kid. Now, look, he's going to have to work on his route running. He's going to have to work on reading coverages. That right there is probably the biggest one from a skill, like a receiver skill standpoint, right? Because I don't care how you, how, what, who you play in high school, you're not facing the coverages you're schematically that you're facing in college. You're just not. I don't care if you're playing IMG schedule, modern day schedule, don't care. So that'll be the biggest adjustment. You know, he's a pretty good route runner, Ryan. He's a very advanced kid. He's pretty good against the press for a high school kid. He's got a really good feel for the game. He's a smart football player. I'd say that's going to be the biggest one. But the biggest thing for me is, that's going to determine whether he plays a lot or it's just a, an occasional Kevin Austin type of role player isn't necessarily one of those, although those are all important. It's the weight room. Is he strong enough to hold up? Because he's a skinny kid. If he if he can If he can make some – if he really attacks the weight room, Tobias Merriweather is going to be really hard to keep off the field. He really is, in my opinion. Yeah, because, I mean, what would you say? He's like, what, 6'3", 6'4", he's like 185 six, three, yeah. He's right now. 6'4", yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's a pretty casual – that's a pretty consistent thing across the board. Usually guys, especially wide receivers, like they're mm-hmm. usually skinnier guys in high school, right? So that's, that's, that's a big t- thing, especially for a guy that length that you – would envision down the road to be a guy that can win vertically a little bit and win at the catch point and do those types of things. So yeah, I would agree. I think, I think from a nuanced perspective, he's pretty advanced for his age. It's going to be about the physical side of the, mm-hmm. of the coin. Next question from Matt Ginter. Matt's trying to really get us here. Ginter, how do you feel on a scale of one to 10 for Southern Absher? I would um We'll say a Let's nine. Say this. I okay, guess. Say, I mean, <laughs> we'll never say ten for a kid unless he's committed, right? So that's right. just the reality of it. But yes, nine. Yes, I'll, I'll say a nine. Yes, feel very yeah. good. Very good. Yep. Anthony Solomon. I believe they can get to number one if the rankings stay the same. But we all know that it's possible they change the rankings to fit a narrative. And you're absolutely right. And that's why, at the end of the day, I'm going to be consistent. I don't care about what the recruiting services say. Like right now, Rivals has Texas Tech ahead of Notre Dame. That's absurd. Mm-hmm. That's just stupid. Uh, on three has Alabama's the number one class in the country. Alabama, they have like four kids in the class. They're the number one <laughs> class in the country because they, whatever, however stupid ranking they come up with. So it's like, Doesn't I just, I don't care about that. I care about us being able to subjectively look at these rankings and say that class is better than that class. I care more about that. Now, I care about being ranked number one from a perception standpoint because I'm not going to dismiss the fact that being ranked number one or two in that conversation 
will help you recruit for their players because they care about stuff like that. I don't. Right. And, you know, with all due respect, Texas A&M had the number one ranked recruiting class last year. There's a couple other classes I would consider trading that class for. I, I, I just would, because it's more about, can you put a team together? Right. And so that's what I care more about, uh, Anthony. But to your point, that's also why I, another reason why I don't care about rankings, because they can easily be manipulated for things that have nothing to do with who's the better players. And we know that they are, you know, like if Notre Dame wants to be ranked number one in the ESPN recruiting rankings, there's a real simple thing. Tell all your kids to go play in the Under Armour game. You have number one ranked class. Simple as that. Zach Martin, who is the most surprising get thus far in Freeman's classes, 22 or 23? That's a good good question. question. So defense last year and then the whole thing this year. For me, it's probably Jalen Sneed. And the reason I say that is like once they got on him, it was clear they were going to get him. But when they first offered him, I was like, I got no shot getting that kid. Hmm. No shot. Like he's from he's from South Carolina. He's got all these SEC offers. Like there's no way they're going to get that kid. That's not the kind of kid. Public school kid. There's no way they're going to get Jalen Sneed. Now I didn't know the background with his coach being tight with Marcus Freeman. I didn't know any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that would probably be the one for me from last year's class. Was was um what was the perception of Benjamin Morrison with Notre Dame early on? Was were they always in the once they the got involved? were they were considered uh, one of the top teams yeah now gotcha. there was some back and forth there and the michigan people thought they were going to get him because they think they're going to get everyone and they never do and you know and then and then the way that one played out so he actually was leading to notre dame for a while and and was looking like he was going to pick notre dame for a while and then washington made a hard push and there was a lot of people kind of talking about how you know washington may be the team to beat and then you know, they may they may be able to pull an upset. And, you know, Jimmy Lake has always beaten Notre Dame for guys. And now Alabama got involved. But they were considered a strong contender for him for a while uh, as soon as they got involved. I'd say, like, Jaden Mickey, same way. Junior Tulamaka, Notre Dame offering him is one of the reasons he decommitted from USC. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'd say may, maybe Tyson Ford kind of flipped quickly. He was kind of winding down. That might be one. Oklahoma looked like they were going to get him, and then Marcus Freeman gets involved and they get him. Um, this year's class, I'd say, who would you say would be the biggest surprise for you so far in this year's class? I for like not, not, Keon Keeley's not for me. He's a Notre Dame right. kid, and when they, you know, when they got on him, he was he was not even a top hundred kid when they got him to commit, which is mm-hmm. absurd. But I'd say for me, Ryan, it's probably Peyton Bowen. Probably my really think so? Yeah, I think my biggest one just from when I started was Braylon James. Probably mm-hmm. I know he he fits right, like he high academic kid. He wants to be away from home, like he fits a lot of what makes sense why he would end up at Notre Dame. But I just remember, like you know, first kind of digging into that recruitment a little bit. I just thought he was going to go to Texas, to be yeah. honest. Like I, I just didn't see Notre Dame at first, and then obviously things yeah went went a different direction. So. Michael Johnson says, Brian and Ryan, where does this D-line class rank in Notre Dame history? It's not it's not there yet to be talked about in history yet, right? Like for me, it right now it's more of a, is this one of the best of the last 10 to 15 years? It's in that conversation now. They got to get Jason Moore before I'm ready to start talking about where does it stack up against other elite classes. But, you know, right now, Michael, if – you know, when I talk about history, for me, I can only really compare it to the the rivals era, so to speak. You know, the recruiting services era, which began in 02. 
if they get Jason Moore, and we've said this before, it's the best class to me. Now, the 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 11 class had more elite top 30 five-star kind of guys, right? They had Eshack, Tuit, and Lynch were all top 30 guys. But after that, there's a there's a bit of a drop-off. You had Tony Springmans and Anthony Rabasas and and Chase Hounshoals and Tony Springmans and those kind of guys, right? So there was like the big three and then drop-off. Where this group is, your fourth guy, if they get Jason Moore, is Bubakar, who's a top 100 recruit. Your yeah. fifth guy is Devin Houston, who's a top 200 recruit. You know, so like it's like Devin versus Tony Springman and Bubakar versus Chase Hounsell is a way bigger gap than Aaron Lynch and Keon or, you know, Brennan Vernon and Stefan Tuitt as recruits or Jason Moore and Ishak, right? Or probably a better comparison would be, you know, Keon versus Lynch, right? Those are both the number ones. And then it's Jason Moore versus Tuit. And then it's Brennan versus Ishak, right? Like, you know, Ishak was a, a higher ranked recruit than Brennan, but it's not by a ton. You know, Stefan right now is a higher ranked recruit than Jason Moore is, but it's not by a ton. Aaron Keon is ranked higher than Aaron was, right? But they're all close. But four five, it's a blowout for the, this current class. And that's the difference. And even you look at the 2016 class, Ryan, which had Dalen Hayes, who's a five-star, right? By one service, he was outside the top 100 by others. You know, Julian Aguar is a really good, top, had a lot of upside, but he was a top 200 kid. You know, Scout had him a top 200. Uh, Khalid Kareem was a top 200 kind of guy. You know, they flipped from Bama. And then Adi, it's not even close from a recruiting ranking standpoint. Now, I think that class was better than it got ranked because I liked the Adi Tagumba Ogundiji. Loved his upside. I gave him a four-and-a-half-star upside grade. I think he, you know, kind of played into that, in my opinion. You know, Julian Aguara, third round pick. Khalid Cream was a fifth round pick despite missing the whole offseason going into the draft with a shoulder injury. Yep. If it's not for the shoulder injury, Khalid's going higher, fourth to third round, most likely, you know. So, and, and then Adi was drafted. Dale, I mean, all four of those guys got drafted. But with all due respect, the number one, two, and three players in that draft in that class are, or in this class, are better than the one, two, and three players in that class. And then four and five is not close. With all due respect to Adi, who I love, he's not the prospect Bubakar is. Floor mm-hmm. or ceiling, in my opinion. So, yeah, that class, this class right now is in the conversation with 2011. If they get Jason Moore, it's no longer a conversation. I can't really compare it to the 1990 class, for example, because I only know of the Bryant Young who became a Hall of Famer. I don't know yeah. what he was as a high school prospect. I, I don't know enough about where guys were as high school players to go back and say, yeah, you know, they, they stack up against this group. You know, I, I, I couldn't possibly compare it to like, I, I think it was like Lou had talked about this. Like, I think the, and some of y'all will know better than me, but I think like the 73 class had like, it had like Willie Fry and Ross Browner. And I think like, that's absurd, but I, I have no clue what those guys were as high school players. They, for they, they could have been like not highly recruited and broke out in college for all I care, or they could have been parade all Americans that were big time recruits. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I can really only go with modern history to answer your question, Michael, but they, they have to get one more, in my opinion, for us to really have that conversation. Like, no doubt, this is the best D-line class Notre Dame's had in 30 years, in my opinion. I don't That's know what, what you think about that. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, obviously, I, I just remember that Aaron Lynch class just, you know, from being a fan, and it was incredible. Just, mm-hmm. You know what would be fun, though? I, I think I might do this. I, I'm, I'm running it past you right now. Story as idea. <laughs> 
You're gonna make I me would, say no in front of all these people. Come on, man. I, I, I would love going back and like you did the Aaron Lynch versus Keon Keeley debate, mm-hmm. right? I would love to go mm-hmm. back and look at some Aaron Lynch high school highlights and compare the two. Very similar. Similar ballpark, you know? Very similar. Keon was more advanced as a junior. Aaron was a monster as a senior. Like monster. Like yeah. he was unbelievable. And and what he did at the Army All-American game was just absurd. I, mean, I felt bad for those. I mean, it was like that all week. He beat up the East offensive lineman all week in practice and then had like three sacks in the game. It was absurd. It was absurd. <laughs> it was like, you got to be kidding me. Like he and Stefan played really well that week, but nobody talked about it because of how good Aaron was. Plus, there was all the drama around Aaron. Like he was committed to Florida State. And if I, I wish I could tell you all the backstory and, and, and because I was a part of that whole thing. It was wild. But he shows up. And his mom told me this was going to happen. She said, just so you know, when Aaron lands, there's going to be some craziness. I'm like, okay, why? He's wearing his Notre Dame shorts or sweats or something. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> like, so you just – and it was all week. And then, of course, there's the – he meets in the hotel room with the Notre Dame staff, and then he meets with the Florida State staff. He comes walking down uh, into the elevator of the hotel going like this, right, and just like the whole drama – and the thing that really helped Notre Dame out, and I'll just share this, this is the only tidbit I'll share. Florida State flinched. Because what happened was, is, is Florida State tried to do some back, like some behind-the-scenes stuff to try to get Aaron from San Antonio to Tallahassee and not let him go home. Because they thought if he went home, he was eventually going to, you know, all that. And they started, like, trying to change his flights without telling him and his mom and all this other kind of stuff. And when they did that, they kind of burned that bridge. And that's what actually sent – one of the things that sent Aaron to Notre Dame, that and his relationship with Tony Alford, which was real strong. But, like, if Florida State would have just called the flip down, let it play out, they probably still got Aaron Lynch. But they started doing things that, like, caused Aaron to say, forget you, I'm going over here. And then when Greg Hudson was trying to tell him, you can't succeed there academically. That was one of the things, too, that, that sent them over the edge. But, yeah, Florida State screwed that one up big time. But that made for a very interesting week at the Army game, Ryan. And you don't see that a lot anymore, not for Notre Dame, because most of these kids are already signed by then. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? So Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Timeout, timeout, Tom. Keeps you keep asking this in the chats, man. And um, we talked about this a couple shows ago when you asked it last time. It was a great question. But you said if Notre Dame gets Gallagher, Greathouse, and Hanfin, could they be Pied Piper's Dante Moore? And yeah, the answer is yeah. And we went into more detail. What was it last Wednesday or th- Thursday or Friday? Ryan, like I that. think it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. We talked about it, Tom. I'd encourage you to go check it out. But I, I think you're onto something. I I hadn't really ever thought about that a whole lot. But yeah, I, I think you're onto something. I think they they could be. It doesn't hurt, right? Like it's, it doesn't hurt. I'll say no. that. Agree, agree. Matthew Hader says, "I'd love to see Coach Washington go hard after Justin Scott, even though we just offered. I'm hearing pretty much all positive. Can he get? Can we? He get in him in the pipeline? Well, they're trying. 
Yes. Right. And and Sean Sean Davis and, and us and you and I have talked about this. Notre Dame's got a real if they push, if they push, mm-hmm. they have a really good shot with him. Because what you gotta understand about Justin is he goes to St. Ignatius, a really good private school. And from what little we've learned about him and his mother, I mean, screams Notre Dame kid, which is why I think they waited so long to offer him. Because they needed to make sure that he was a guy they wanted or had room for or fit or whatever. Because when you offer him, there's a chance it it may go quickly. Now, it may not, but there's the chance. Sure. And so, yes, if they push for him, I think they have a really good shot with him. And I, I see no reason, no not reason to. why <laughs> they shouldn't push for him. And, I mean, honestly, he should have been offered already, if we're being honest. Right. Um, but maybe they were trying to build up suspense or whatever. I have no idea. I don't care. The offer's there now. He needs to be, like, A-list priority. Because if yes. you can add him and Brandon Davis Swain – in the class after what you just got, I mean, mm-hmm. can you imagine? Can you imagine an interior rotation in a couple years of Devin Houston, Jason Moore, Brendan Vernon, Justin <laughs> Scott, and you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I I have to tell you, he was one of the more interesting films I've watched too, Brian. I don't know if you felt the same way about mm-hmm. this, but like I had a preconceived notion, right? Which happens sometimes. It's like. Yep. Six five three ten. Let me guess. No big, strong, can't move. And it was the absolute (laughs) opposite. I was like, "Oh, my boys, my boys making some plays in pursuit now. Oh, he can move a little bit. He is athletic for us. He doesn't look three ten. I mean, I he doesn't. I don't think he is three ten to be honest with you. But if he is two ninety, if he is, he's gonna be three twenty five when it's all said and done because he has a athletic looking frame. Like that's the thing surprised me. His picture surprised me even more than the film. He's like that kid doesn't look like what I thought a sophomore, three hundred ten pounder is going to look like. He is, no. he's put together. I thought he was going to be sloppy. Right? Yes, he's right. not. Yeah. Now, he, now he's not like defined and like chiseled sure. like Keon. He's a sophomore, right? But he is. But he's just got. It's like all good. He's just big. He, you know, he looks a lot like Stefan Tuit did as you know that that age too, where he's even thicker than Stefan was. But Stefan was always just big. This kid's just big, uh, you know. And and boy, he's impressive looking. And he can move. I mean, that's the thing. Like you said, that's the thing. He makes a lot of plays in the backfield. And it's not just because of his power. It's because he's beating you off the line athletically. That's Mm. the thing that shocked me. I was like, wow, this kid, this, how did it? And that was my first thought. How did this kid not already have an offer? Like prime A recruit. And he's got the recruiting background too. I mean, he was like, he's the number three player in the country by either two, four, seven, or three. Yeah. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. No doubt. We have J.P. Buellsfeld. Thank you, J.P. Are we recruiting Avery Johnson? His high school in Mays, Kansas, about 30 minutes from my home. So curious. As of right now, no. They are still on the Dante Moore train. I do know that Notre Dame likes Avery a lot. There's a couple other quarterbacks that I think they would turn to. Avery would be one of them if they miss on Dante. But as of right now, their focus is on Dante Moore. And speaking of, we are not Marshall. If Notre Dame lands Dante Moore, does he start year one? Barring injury, no, no. I mean, again, Tyler Buckner's a really good quarterback. But Tyler Buckner, Buckner, Tyler Buckner would have been a five star on my board if he didn't miss a senior year. Yeah, just, he, there's no doubt. If he would have done anything close at Helix to what he did, like, I mean, if he'd have thrown for three thousand plus and a thousand as a rusher at Helix, which is possible because he upped a competition, he would have been a five star recruit to me. I mean, he's he's he had the tools. But so no, Dante Moore's not going to just come in and be like, "Sit down, Tyler. 
But if Tyler gets hurt again, then yeah, like you can't miss half the spring if Dante Moore's there. You just can't because you may not get that job back. Right. But as long as Tyler's healthy, he's their starting quarterback for at least the next two years, in my opinion. I think it's good for Dante because Dante needs time. Dante is, I mean, if Bryce Young needed to sit a year, Dante Moore can sit a year. Okay. Like he'll, he'll, he'll be fine. Can I can I name the quarterbacks in the last few years that like basically sat out as freshmen? I mean, you know, it begins with Jameis Winston and ends with Bryce Young. There's that Joe Burrow guy in the mix there, Justin Fields. You know, I mean, there's some pretty good quarterbacks that didn't do anything as freshmen other than mop up duty, or in Justin Fields' case, punt safe in the SEC title game against Alabama because their coach is an idiot. Oh uh, my god, Brian Seaver. If BK were still the head coach, would LZ be in the class already? Yes, probably. Yep, no question. Tommy Guns, who are because because Dell Alexander would still be his receivers coach. So yes, Tommy Guns, who are some of the 2024 D line recruits that uh, resources get shifted to now that 23 is 80 percent complete? Well, we just talked about one Tommy, and that's yeah. Justin Scott. Uh, I know Elijah Rushing and Nigel Smith are two others. Ryan, who are some other guys that you think uh, you'll you, we should start to see see the staff kind of move on to now that they are focusing more and more and more on the 2024 class. Yeah. I mean, those were, those were a couple of the guys that I was going to start out with. I mean, honestly, I got to see all the good ones. I know you have to, I mean, I I would just like to kind of put some context though, real quick to, I mean, Elijah rushing is, I think similar to what Keon was probably as a sophomore, just kind of looking back, he's a really talented player he's got a massive he's got the frame where i think he could easily be 250 plus pounds like he's got that 6'5 225 nigel smith's probably the, my favorite defensive lineman that i've watched in 2024 so far i mean the kid is 6'5 270 as a sophomore and kind of works inside out a ton and really talented football player i, I mean a couple guys that i think are interesting players i, I don't know how, how far along it is as far as the relationship with notre dame but at Edrick Houston, excuse me, out of Georgia, who's 6'4", 235 pounds. We have him listed. He also has a similar frame to an Elijah Rushing, listed in shorter, obviously, but he's got a long athletic frame, really nice arm length, explosive player. And then I don't know how to pronounce Zena Umuzulu, I believe is how you pronounce it, out of Texas. Your guess is as good as mine. Well, Brian, if you haven't seen his film, though, I, I watched his film a yeah. few weeks ago, and he is explosive, yeah. sir. He's a yeah. really dynamic athlete. Again, I don't know how likely he is that Notre Dame is going to be a serious player, but he is a really, really, really explosive yeah. defensive end. Really, explosive. he is. He is, and he's he's a the SEC is not going to. They're going to try hard not to let him get out of that area. There's no doubt about that. Another. The other there's a couple other kids like Aiden Breland is a kid that they offered. He's a big six five three. Oh, at a modern, modern day, right? Modern yeah, day. but I mean, you know, you yeah. say, I don't know how much time I would waste on him with those other guys on the board. On Waffles, a kid that Notre Dame is likes. I I don't know if I would take him right now. I would, and, and I know that Notre Dame likes him, but I don't know if I'd take him right now. He's a six foot three, two hundred fifty pound big end that can maybe go into a three technique. Like you've already got a million of those and he doesn't fit the profile of some of those great motor and an athletic kid. But I just don't know if, if he fits my profile at this point in time uh, of guys that I would really go to an interesting player that Notre Dame offered recently, Ryan, that I don't know if you've had a chance to watch him yet, but he's really raw, but talented is, is Marquise Lightfoot. As far as like a Viper prospect, he's about, he's from Illinois. They offered mm-hmm. him, I think during the blue gold week, 6'4", 205, all legs and arms at this point in time. 
but he's a pretty athletic kid. He's he's pretty new to the board. He's a because he's he's one of the few pure vipers I think in the class. I'm curious. Like right now, I don't know if I would necessarily take him just yet, but he's definitely a guy that's on my board because he's pretty athletic and he's got a really nice frame. But he's just he's like maybe 205 pounds right now, right? Like, <laughs> and that's where you got to be careful with sophomores. Is you know you got to make sure that a guys aren't already full grown by the time they're sophomores they're not going to get bigger. Right. And then you got to, you know, some guys you think are going to grow, but let me just see a couple more months of growth from this kid putting on some weight, but he's an athletic kid that I would, that I would keep my eye on as well uh, in, in next year's class. But there's a, I'm looking at the board. There's just off. There's 20 kids that have been offered already. So they're not, they're yeah. not resting on their laurels. They, they offered to Brian Robinson kid. He's a solid player, big kid. I don't know if he's a kid that I would push for now that they have Brandon Davis Swain in the class. And that's the other thing too is some of these guys are off the board for me. Jay Sean Ross is an interesting kid, so it's it's going to be interesting how they kind of how they do all how they do all this. Yeah, Ryan, here's an interesting one. Steve Savigiola, I hope I pronounced that right. Steve, if Notre Dame could recruit any of their former quarterbacks since 1988 for this team, who would they all who would they be all in for? Wow, there's, there's two for me, and I've talked about this before. It's Jarius Jackson and Brady Quinn. That'd be the mm. two for me. And, and, See, and I'd probably go Jarius because I, I think that this particular team needs a quarterback that can run. Interesting. And I, think, I think Jarius would have fit. Like Jarius being coached in a, in the modern game, because, again, in, if he was being recruited now, he would have come up in a completely different, you know, pr- he'd be in seven-on-sevens. He'd be a far more developed passer than he was coming out of high school at the time. Mm-hmm. So he he'd probably be him or Brady, uh, I think probably be two for me because again Jimmy Clausen's the best passer Notre Dame's had in my lifetime, but I I need a quarterback that that's a leader that teammates respect. <laughs> Same reason I wouldn't have Deshaun Kaiser as my quarterback, right? Right. But you know if if everybody had the same attitude, you know I'd start talking about Everett and Jimmy and Deshaun Kaiser as potential guys. Another mm-hmm. guy that I would strongly consider and is if if I knew he was going to be healthy, the pre. 2015 injury version of Malik Zaire is a guy that I think we should have a conversation about. Uh, and then, of course, another guy would be that they recruited since then, as I would love to have seen what Phil Jerkova could have done in this offense. That's another one. I just yeah. got to get that shot in. But you know what? Of all of that, you know who I'm excited to watch? Well, I'm excited to watch Tyler Buckner. For sure. I mean, we forget this is a top 100 kid. I mean, <laughs> this is a kid who, you know, did some, did some pretty good things as a freshman. So uh, I, um, I'm excited to see what he can do. But what, who would your answer be for that, Ryan? My, my answer would have been Brady Quinn. I I, w- I thought about Phil just off of the curiosity. I would have just mm-hmm. liked to see it, you know, because we didn't get a chance to see it. The other one that – but I, I have to be honest. I thought your answer was going to be Jimmy Clausen just because of the scheme fit in, in mm-hmm. Coach Reese's I, I got to have a guy that – you can't have a quarterback that can't lead. That was always the knock on Jimmy. He just wasn't respected by his teammates. He wasn't a leader. And, and I and I would – he just he like at least with Brady, you could run read zone and Brady can pull that thing and just run for a first down on third and five. Jimmy's not even when even before the foot injury, Jimmy's not doing that. So and again, just the leadership thing that is so important, That's so important for a quarterback. And he wasn't as bad as Deshaun, but he was not good. It wasn't good there, and that would be the reason why. But if if all things were being equal in that regard, then Jimmy's the answer to me. Like if Jimmy had, if Jimmy and Brady Quinn had the same work ethic and same attitude and leadership ability, it, it's Jimmy Clawson. 
but they don't. I mean, Brady Quinn was not a great player because he had the greatest arm ever. He's the greatest. I mean, he had the great frame, but he he wasn't. It was because super. He was just. He just had the Brady Quinn is that kind of guy that he he if he said, "Hey guys, I need everyone to do this," and it's good. You're okay. Brady said we're going to do it, so we're doing it, right? Where it's like, hold on, man. You know, last time you said this, Jimmy, you know, this is what happened. Right? You said if we go here, it's going to work out, but we all got lost, and you know what I mean, like. Brady's that just that guy that you know you talk about like the general, right? The greatest generals are guys that just the troops say, Hey, you say to do it, we're doing it. And that's that's what that's what makes Brady different, you know. And, and so yeah, is Brady in the same category as, as Jimmy Clausen as a passer? No. Is Brady Quinn a better player and a better leader and a better winner? Heck yes. Heck yes. And so, you know, that's I just go with Jerry. It's just because I feel as I look up at the makeup of this team, I'm really attracted to the idea of having a quarterback that brings the running element to it. That's the only reason Jerry is in this conversation for me is because of that. You know, if I had greater faith in the receivers, I don't know if I would still say I probably my stance would change and it'd be, I'd be hundred percent on Brady. You know, that, that would be my thing. So, yeah. Uh, Ryan, you can answer this quickly. Sid Irish, Brian, is Notre Dame recruiting Micah Tease as a receiver or a DB? Yes. The answer is yes. Athletes. They they will give him an opportunity yeah. to play wide receiver if that's what, what just lands him to Notre Dame. But yes. yes and, yes. and a legitimate shot. This isn't like lie mm-hmm. to him and in a week in the fall camp you're moving him. They'll give him a legitimate sh- chance. I just still think defense is where he needs to go. Agree. Alejandro Cornell. If by chance Caleb Downs came to Notre Dame paired with Adal and Peyton Bowen, what secondary across college football in the last 20 years do you think they compare to? Oh, wow. That's a good that's one. That's a loaded question. I that's mean, you're talking about, you know, looking at safety safety tandems, right? Like, I'm trying to think of who had some great safety tandems in recent seasons. I feel like LSU had one somewhat recently, didn't they? Didn't they have a really good safety situation here somewhat recently? Boy, that's, that's a good one. That's a really good Alejandro. I don't – I don't – Alabama had a, a really good safety tandem like early on. I'm trying to remember who it was. Ohio State had a really good safety. You know what? Ohio State 2015, 14, 15, and 16 might be one that I'd have to look at, Ryan, now mm-hmm. that I think about it. Um, because they had who who was the kid that got drafted? Uh, he's still in the league now. Hooker. No, um, I cannot believe oh, Von Bell. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm having some issues with my memory this week, man. What the heck's going on, right? I took a nap today. Like something's going on, dude. That yeah. is not a good situation. But that that 2015 team, you had you had uh, Von Bell was the second round pick. You had the other safety ended up. Uh, he was picked Tyvis Powell, right? Mm-hmm. And then they had a couple other safeties that were like rotation guys, backups on that team. Uh, you had uh, Malik Hooker was was a rotation guy on that team. Uh, Marshawn Latimer was did not start on that team in 2015. Crazy. Which is insane. Uh, yeah, Jaron Conley and Eli Apple were the corners. You had Von Bell at safety. You had Tyvis Powell at safety, and you had Marshawn, uh, Marshawn Latimer and Malik Hooker were rotation guys on that in that secondary, which is insane. So, I mean, that, most recent history. That's probably the the one that I think I probably had that would be pop out to me, Ryan. Any, anybody else kind of pop out in your head on that one 
Yeah, no, I, I was trying to look back to like Patrick Peterson days in LSU when they had the Honey Badger and all that type of stuff, but that was literally the only one that popped in. Maybe a Landon Ooh. Collins when it was with Alabama type of conversation. Right. But and that's yeah, just no, I mean, the safeties because I mean Notre Dame right. still needs corners. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, yeah. It's yeah. That's, that's, that's a tough one to beat, man. That Ohio State team was just loaded. It was yeah. crazy. Remember when they played defense in Ohio State? It was, yeah, it was I know, right? What the heck ago. happened there? That's <laughs> right. weird. Right. Weird. And then that like that random year where you know Jeff Halfley shows up and they're pretty good again. Yeah. Very, 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 very strange. All right, let's let we got to we got to get out of here pretty soon. Uh, Big Jim, has Darren Gillette ever visited? No, he has not. Yeah. John Platt asks, is 300 points, I assume he's referring to the 247 Sports Composite List, does 300 points give Notre Dame the number one recruiting call this year? No, it does not. Uh, I think that right now with the the dream class that we talked about gets them to about 315. If my memory serves me correctly, that would be ranked number one in like four, about half of the last 10-year classes, or around half. There are some years guys got in the 320s, and, and some years they were low. Like one year is like 304. I think it's probably the lowest I remember seeing a number one class on the composite the last 10 years. So it gets them top five for sure. Like 300 gets mm-hmm. them top five for sure, but it, it would only get them. It wouldn't get them number one. They'd have to get to around that 315 mark to really have a shot at that number one, that number one spot. Irish for life. Hey, you had a couple really good questions about uh, early predictions for next year. So just so you know, I didn't want you to think we were dismissing your question. Uh, we're actually going to have a couple shows on that coming up. We're going to like, kind of this week a little bit, but then next week we're going to launch into our sort of our build up to the season. And we're going to look at like early season, like we're going to take like a first glance at the schedule and just kind of, you know, go over the schedule and who we think, because your second part about, you know, is about you know New Year's six and all that. So we're, when we launch it, it's probably going to be next week is when we're going to really launch it. We're going to dive into just these questions. So I don't want to, I don't want to give them now, because we're going to have a show on this soon, but I didn't want you to think that we were ignoring your questions. So it's very good questions and such a good questions that we already have planned shows about those very topics. Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker says if Harry Heastan gets everyone he's after, how can that not be recruiter of the year? Because so would Al Washington. And so would Chris O'Leary in the scenario that we gave earlier. So right. that's the interesting thing is, I mean, Al Washington got every guy he wanted to. And Chancey Stuckey came pretty darn close, and mm-hmm. you know, to getting all those. And he didn't get everyone because they wanted Samson Okanola, right? So I mean, it's similar to Chancey Stuckey. They didn't get Carnell Tate, right? And Tyler Williams, but it's close. But I mean, Josh, the nice thing about it though is, is if they get that class that we talked about, not even including Caleb Downs, we it would be a legitimate discussion on who is the recruiter of the year. And that's kind of where you want to be, right? Like you you want to be in a situation where you know four coaches are in that you're like, okay, I'm making my case for Harry Heastan. And Ryan's like, hold on a second now. Like, <laughs> let's talk about Al Washington. And Sean's like, where's the love for Chancey Stuckey? And then Vince pimes in with like, uh, y'all, Dante Moore, you know what I mean? Like, that's where you want to be, you know what I mean? And then Ryan checks his phone. Oh wow, Caleb Downs is committed. So let's talk about Chris O'Leary, <laughs> right? Like, that's where you want to be. And then we're like, hey, why is no one talking about the linebacking core when they got 250 top 50 players? I mean, that's ultimately where, where we want to be because when it's obvious, you don't have a great class. You have a great line class. Mm-hmm. You want there to be some conversation. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Tommy Guns, real quick. Uh, 
Ryan, if you could see if there's any more at the bottom that uh, sure. that pop out. But Tommy Gunn says, uh, B. Ryan, can y'all ever see Freeman doing with Chad what Lou did with Vinny? One of the 10 coaches, but literally just recruits. There's no need to do that because the rules are in, in place now that a person like Chad Bowden can have the role that he can have. The only thing he can't do is go on the road. But if there's a situation where one of the coaches can't go on the road, because the rule is you can only have 10 guys on the road. Like, was it like nine Nine or ten guys, you can only have a certain number of guys on the road at a time. So if an assistant coach has an obligation, he's going to be gone, he's not going to be on the road recruiting, then a GA or somebody like Chad can go on the road. So honestly, you don't need to do that. You don't need to not waste, because I don't mean it like that, but you don't need to take away a position coach to give to him when he can basically do everything that they can do now anyway. And in some instances, there's in, in a couple little narrow instances, there's less restrictions on him than there's the others. And, you know, he's not an assistant coach where he has to talk about, you know, playing for him, right? You, He never has to be the bad guy that benches a kid or makes a kid run or does whatever because he's just the recruiting guy. So I think I think that adds uh, to it. Dexter Domer, I'm late in catching up at two times the speed. That's got to be really interesting listening to me at two times the speed. I will see if you cover this early, but should we make anything out of the new offers? Are these kids takes or safety valves they want to get in on early? Uh, Ryan, I don't know if not all of them are takes, obviously, but it, what it is, sure. is it's just, look, they're, they're, they're on the road. They're coming across kids. They like, they're realizing that, Hey, we're not in a situation where we are now. We've got to find some other good players. And that's what it's doing. This is called good recruiting. Dexter, it's a great question. A great question. Because in the past they would expand the board when it was panic time, Ryan, this isn't panic time. This is, we're not going to get caught in a panic mode. So until we get guys that, you know, until we get Micah Bell or Micah Tease or Christian Gray to recruit, we're going to keep recruiting guys until right. we get, you know, these other offensive linemen to commit. I'm going to keep going because I can't, we can't just get three, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to keep recruiting guys. Hey, Monroe and, and Charles, if you guys want to keep doing that, that's cool. I understand it, but we got to make sure we get, we're, we're, we're taken care of too. The only yeah. position where I don't support that is quarterback for reasons I've stated in the past. But you're absolutely right. I mean, if if you still have a need, like I wouldn't be opposed to them, you know, expanding the the, the linebacker board. And part of me wonders, like part of me starts counting. This is my conspiratorialness, Ryan. <laughs> I start saying, you know, maybe they're in a better shot with Jay Osbury than I think, because they haven't expanded the board of linebacker. They need another linebacker. Yeah. Why? Why not? So is it Impemba? Is it Osbury? Is do you do you want to see how things go with Jay, Jay Darian Gallette when he gets on campus? So mm-hmm. part of me wonders that Ryan is why haven't they expanded the board at linebacker like they have another? I mean, look, they're in a good position of receiver and they're still out there offering. They've offered two new receivers in the last two weeks. I know, I know. you know, and they're good offers. These kids can play. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, a couple of them are top one hundred and fifty kids. Like, it's yeah, not Mazzel's like it's a their... top ranked recruit. Yes, one hundred percent, exactly. And I mean, we just talked about the corner, obviously that they just they just offered today. I mean, he is a top one hundred and fifty player too, in, in Josiah Wagner. So yeah, they're they're identifying good football players and they're offering them Dexter. It, it whether everyone is a is an is a take. It, I mean, obviously, like Brian said, not everybody's a take, but you have to give them credit that they're still identifying. They're yeah. identifying good football players. It's not just like they're throwing out offers to three stars because they're they're scrambling here, right? Like they're offering mm-hmm. top 150, top 200 type of players right now. It's not – it's substantial stuff right now. Mm-hmm. So, 
You, uh, other than saying it's interesting, you had no further comment on my linebacker conspiracy theory, right? I, you, I mean, I, I'm going to call I'm just, you out. I'm going to call I'm you. To, not call you I'm out, but I'm going to challenge you to respond to that. Like, what? Uh, why do we? Why do you think they haven't offered him a linebacker? Again, this is just this is opinion time. We don't know the answers, right? This is yeah. this is part of the show where we're just giving you our opinion. But in your opinion, why haven't they done that? Well, I mean, I, when I talked to to Jay Nosberry after his visit, it's it's. I put in I put into my mailbag this week that at this point I'm not really that I I, I if Jaden Osbury if Jaden Osbury ends up in a place not Notre Dame I don't think it's going to be LSU either you know what I mean that's kind of just always been assumed like LSU has to be the leader because he's from Baton Rouge he's right there so yeah I think that that is telling sometimes when or all most of the time. When boards don't expand, you have to feel pretty good about where you are with someone. Like you said, there has to be one more. So either they feel really good about their prospects with Darian Gillette down the road when they get him on campus, or they feel that they're in a great spot with a, with an Osbury mm-hmm. or Samuel and Pemba, one of the two. So, yeah, I, I think that you might be onto something there. I know what I hope the answer is. Yes. <laughs> I hope the answer you know, so we'll we'll have to see about that. We'll have to see about that. So uh, really great questions tonight. I think Tim Hatch has a great way to end this one. I think that's the best way to end it. Go Irish. So as you all know, let, let me pull this up so we can remind y'all. Okay, so we'll make it easy for you. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. So on a day where I'm supposed to have jury duty and we move the show back, I end up not having jury duty. I got pushed back a week uh, or two. They said it would be sometime 16th or later. So we'll see when that actually is. So I didn't actually have to serve jury, jury due today, but it was a little too late. And Ryan and I talked, so let's, let's do a night show. So on those days with you, you'll still know when we're going to show, even though it's not our school normal time, because you hit the notification bell when we schedule the show, which tonight I did a little before six o'clock and Hey, pop up. Hey, Irish breakdowns doing a night show. Gotta love it. And so of course, that's why you need to hit that notification bell and share this podcast, sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. And of course, Check out all of our content at Irish Breakdown. We'll be back tomorrow at 1230. Ryan, we're going to discuss, Vince and I are going to discuss, and and I'd love it if you want to join the show. We haven't talked about this. You're more than welcome to do so. We're going to talk about this transfer portal stuff, right? We're going to talk about my proposal to fix the transfer portal. We're also going to talk about the NCAA's move to, uh, you know, sort of provide guidance finally for NIL stuff whether it's a legitimate attempt for them to rein things in or is this just a for show statement to make them make it look like they've done something when in reality they're not actually going to do anything because you can offer at the end of the day Ryan you can offer all the all the statements and guidelines you want if you don't enforce it nothing matters you can you can make it a speed limit of 65 but if you never enforce it then people can drive however freaking fast they want to drive right if there's no threat of being pulled over and punished in any way shape form or fashion um, then that's what's going to happen. And that's true in, in everything. So if it doesn't have some teeth, then nothing's going to happen. And if they don't enforce the rules, that's going to happen. So we're going to talk about all that tomorrow. We're going to talk about the transfer portal tomorrow. We'll talk about all that kind of stuff. And of course, we'll do our daily mailbag. So if you didn't get a question asked today, bring it tomorrow and we'll be ready to answer it. So everybody, thank you all so much for being with us for this show. We really had a lot of fun. Ryan, thank you for joining me tonight and being willing to be flexible with me. Have a great time. We can always continue these conversations on the message board. Sign up, boards at irishbreakdown.com. Until next time, thank you all so much for joining us and being a part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.